Welcome to Songs and Stories, the Not For Musicians Only music podcast. Welcome once again to Songs and Stories. My name is Michael Gaither, and this is Songs and Stories, episode number 34. I think we'll call this one, or we'll subtitle this episode, uh, Old Time in the Face of New Technology. In this episode of Songs and Stories, I'm going to go back and do a little catch-up and give you an interview I did at the beginning of the year with Jeff Kayser, a guy from San Francisco who runs the Bay Area Collective, better known as the Crooked Jades. Now, the Crooked Jades are an old-time string band, an old-time meaning this is the kind of stuff they played before we even had bluegrass. It was the kind of thing that people would play at night for entertainment, before TV, before iPods, before all that kind of thing. They would get around, sit around, have a fiddle, drive some songs, and dance, and play music. And that's what Jeff Kayser has been doing since 1996 when he first formed the Crooked Jades. Um, I first saw them a few years ago at the Strawberry Music Festival up in Yosemite, and I saw them do a main stage set. And just love the energy. In fact, I, I think I called it, you know, sort of dark Appalachian dance music. I mean, it had this mountain sound, but it definitely wasn't bluegrass. And there was definitely a Celtic influence, but there was something earthier about it as well. That same weekend, they played um, the gospel set at Strawberry. They also played a workshop, and we, we caught them every time we could, and I've seen them a few times since. Um, the band, I guess, like I said, has been around since 1996. Um, they've gone through a few personnel changes over the years, but they've always been the, the vision of, of Jeff Kayser, and he was in Santa Cruz um, earlier this year, uh, right before their latest album, Shining Darkness, came out. So he talked about the previous album they released, Worlds on Fire, and we'll talk about that during the interview, and, um, and then talked about what was up for the Crooked Jades this coming year. Before we get to the interview, I want to remind you that there are, as always, notes to go with this show on my website. If you go to michaelgaither.com, it's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-A-I-T-H-E-R.com. Look for the section for Songs and Stories number 34, and I'll put up some links to uh, the Crooked Jade sites, their tour schedule, uh, along with some things that we'll talk about during the interview. So as you're listening to this, go to my website and check it out and have a look around and check out some of the Crooked Jade links that I put up. Also, I want to remind you that if you if you happen to be up in Northern California, I'm going to be playing there in a couple of weeks. I'll be in Reading on Friday the 27th, playing with my pal Jim Dyer, kind of trading songs all night at the Post Office Saloon and Grill. And I'll be rushing up to Coos Bay the next day because I didn't realize how far Coos Bay was from Reading when I booked this little tour when I booked it. So we're getting up early Saturday morning and rushing over to Coos Bay. And I'm playing a little house concert series at a place called Colette's Good Food Hungry Minds. And if you're up in Coos Bay or Reading or know somebody that is, if you want more information, go to my shows page. It's michaelgaither.com slash shows. And one more thing, there's a contest again this month for Songs and Stories. If you want to win a t-shirt from Grateful Dead, Grateful Dread Radio, they broadcast this show on Friday nights. They've sent me a couple of t-shirts to give away. So if you want to enter, send me an email, michael at michaelgaither.com, or sign up on my mailing list on my contact page, and uh, put the word crooked in the subject line so I know you're entering this contest, and I'll put you in the drawing for the Grateful, Grateful Dread Radio t-shirt. So on the chat with Jeff Kayser, I also want to um, let you know that when I when I arranged the interview, we met at a coffee shop in Santa Cruz because he actually we spent a lot of time in Santa Cruz growing up, and his parents still live here. And I thought it'd be nice to sit outside, get pick up some ambient noise on the interview, and talk about 
the band and the music, not thinking that where I chose to sit was about 30 feet from a busy intersection. So as you, you hear a little bit of car traffic in the background, pretend that I was being darned clever on purpose and I was trying to contrast the discussion of old-time music in the face of modern technology. And not that I was just careless and picked a bad spot to sit. Okay? Alrighty. So let's get going. Let's hear a couple of tunes off their last release, Worlds on Fire. We're going to hear Indian War Whoop and Heaven's Gonna Be My Home, a great gospel number from the Crooked Jades. And then we'll be talking with Jeff Kayser. Show me a world 
Banjos and guitars and a stand in Batesmeys bluegrass. <laughs> what do the Crooked Jades play? Would you call it pretty radio music? Um, well, I would call it old-time string band music yeah. that we focus a lot in in the Appalachian yeah. regions, which is uh, you know, take a lot from North Carolina and mm-hmm. Eastern Kentucky, um, Tennessee. So that's pretty important, and and, and there was is quite a difference between you know bluegrass and old time string band mm-hmm. music. And then bluegrass has more of a commercial edge to it mm-hmm. in the sense that you know it took a lot from jazz. And there's that sense of you know it comes up to your break and you've got to be hot. It's very structured. Yeah, and you need to show off. Yeah. Uh, but in old-time string band music, it's very social in the yeah. sense that we're all playing the same melody. Right. And we're supporting each other. Ultimately, we're supporting the fiddle player. Yeah. He's leading us in, in oh, really? tune. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's more it, it's more uh, intended for dance. Um, yeah. And that, you know, and that comes from the roots from, from Scottish and Irish mm-hmm. roots. I was going to say, because... Northern think- England. But when I'm seeing, you know, Irish session players play, there's a mm-hmm. continuing melody, and no one's taking a break. They're all yeah. just sort of playing this thing together. And exactly. bluegrass is is a great form, but it's definitely like it's your turn, then it's your turn, then it's right. your turn. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there is that, like I said, who can outdo each other in their in their solo. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, that, and that, that, I mean, I enjoy that. I I originally uh, a lot of my influences started. Uh, this was after I got into the Watson family, but the Stanley Brothers, and you know, they're they're, they're pretty much bluegrass. Even though that Ralph Stanley likes to call it mound music, mm-hmm. um, yeah, <laughs> it's like it's probably because of his uh, his, uh, uh, his association with Bill Monroe. Mm-hmm. Sure, <laughs> sure. Now, I guess historically, here's a question: um, since bluegrass is I guess a little more commercial and old-timey. Did bluegrass come before or after radio when it was really it, kind of taking off? Or, or, um, you think that was part of the reason it became more of that kind of form? Yeah, it, 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 it did. And, and, and just I, I've it, actually it, never thought about that before, but it makes it makes total sense time-wise. It did come after radio, um, and obviously it came after old-time music mm-hmm. because bluegrass emerged out of old-time. Right. Um, but yeah, it was. I mean, it was coined out there. I think it was, you know, like around 1948, mm-hmm. and, and radio was pretty strong then. Yeah. And, and and it was prescribing and categorizing and putting everything in a box, which you know much easier to present and uh, uh, in radio format. Mm-hmm. And the way that they were recording as well back in uh, the day, it was. They were looking for a certain sound, mm-hmm. and uh, so 
yeah, that structure was already sort of being put in place. Yeah. At that point in time. And I guess with Appalachian dance music back then, it was, because it was a social thing, it was that was the dance music, and you got together and you. Back when people got together and sang and yeah. played, and that was that was a big part of their their social culture. That, that was their social cult, yeah. cor- culture, and uh, yeah, I mean, versus you know today we don't yeah we don't have <laughs> we didn't have television or or uh, uh, you know computers or iPods or anything like yeah. that. It's uh, so ultimately it was you know. They're so appreciative in the sense that anyone that could play a fiddle, mm-hmm. or something like that, because that would that would definitely be after they, you know, had uh, uh, you know had eaten their dinner or something like that. It would be you know on the porch playing mm-hmm. playing a fiddle or something like that, or, or out to the dance, yeah. and that was the entertainment. That was what they looked forward to. So. Yeah. I think for me, when I kind of Going to, when I started going to music festivals and really playing out in front of people and experiencing that music is part of your social fabric, that's, yeah. it's kind of been lost now. Yeah. yeah. Or my, my little niece says, I'm not good enough to sing in America. I can't really sing, you know. And then you hear her when no one's listening and she sounds great. Right. We've kind of lost it, I think. Yeah, it's kind of sad. It's, uh, it's, it's something that, you know, I've... I feel that old-time string band music has had, you know, a resurgence in the past, you know, it has to do with more than Oh Brother Where Art Thou, in yeah. the sense that there is a, a, a resurgence of folk music. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we were touring in Europe, I noticed so many uh, young people playing actual um their indigenous music, mm-hmm. and uh, in the in the same sense as you know that they decided not to pick up electric guitar and sort of follow that you know not to say the American dream, but what you know a lot from the West the influence, but they're actually you know picking up indigenous instruments and uh, and getting in touch with their culture, and it's just. It's it's fantastic. That's correct. Uh, what do you think sparked that? I know that that's I what I think that sparked that, and I think that also has sparked a resurgence of our own uh, indigenous music here in, in in America is that there's this this sense of being pulled away from your roots, mm-hmm. and uh, more and more as technology takes hold, I think there's this sense of wanting to find to become grounded again. Find something real or something Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, find something real and grounded and um, because it's it's disorienting Mm -hmm. I think and uh, it's uh, you know, I don't want to, as far as dehumanizing, but I just really feel like when you pick up an instrument, you know that's like 150 years old and uh it's, there's something about that yeah. that brings you back. You know, I interviewed on last summer. I interviewed Mark O'Connor, mm-hmm. which was great to get time with him. And he said when he was a kid growing up that nobody played a violin, let alone a fiddle. Nobody was playing with bluegrass tunes. It was his age when he was a kid. And now he goes to festivals, and he goes. These little three, four, five-year-old kids are playing 
bluegrass tunes on the finicus, so something's going on. Something's reaching out to them somehow. Yeah. Or it's it's cool and acceptable. Some for some reason little kids are picking up fiddles and and it's a good thing. It's a definitely a good thing. I'm, I'm. Uh, it, it, it's just such a. I'm so blessed to be doing this and and seeing such young, younger and younger generations getting involved mm-hmm. in bluegrass and old time string band music, and and part of it is that the word is getting out there, yeah. and so yeah. younger folks are getting more exposed. Yeah. And, and one thing, and in, in maybe in, in technology as defense, is maybe because of iPods and MySpace and the web, so you can find all this stuff. Yeah. No, that's yeah. it's a double-edged sword. It is. Yeah. It is. <laughs> so it's, balance. Yeah. You need balance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's so exactly. for you. For your background, raised in a, I'm born in LA and pretty much raised in Santa Cruz for, yeah. for a good part. How did your interest in old-time string band music come along? Well, it's 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 two things. It was my father who had um, a great collection of albums, mm-hmm. and one of the albums. Uh, was this uh, it was a Folkways mm. album uh-huh. it was called uh, The Watson Family and it was basically you know, it was Doc Watson and his family and it was such an I don't know what it was about it but let me go back a little bit further sure. and my father uh, plays for Monica and he had learned a lot of fiddle tunes when he was growing up. And he was growing up in Saskatchewan. And at the time, they they got this... There was a very strong signal from Wheeling, uh, Virginia. And, uh, and they played a lot of barn dances. And he ended up learning a lot of fiddle tunes. And when he was out there as well, they had uh, square dances in Canada. Um, so that got him interested in it. And I was learning to play guitar and I ended up backing up him on on the harmonica so I got to start learning these fiddle tunes myself yeah. so he was passing it down to me but ultimately when I listened to this Watson family it wasn't really bluegrass and uh, if anything it was more old time but it was it was hard to define what it was and uh, there was just such a magic in it and mm-hmm. such a mystery um, that I it, it just always stayed with me, and uh, and I, I guess I basically caught the bug mm-hmm. at that point. Uh, so I think that's the genesis of that. That's very cool. I was going to ask you. Um, a couple of years ago at Strawberry, when you guys played, I think in a previous, the last incarnation of the J before you sort of reformed. Yeah. And you guys played a song called Heaven's Gonna Be My Home. My wife just fell in love with. And in fact, I, I bought CDs that day, but we've been playing the live version for, because we had, but anyway. Uh-huh. We thought it's on the new CD. Yeah. Where did that song come from? Um, I think the notes say it's from a, it's based on it, someone's it, sermon. It's, a, yeah, and inspired from a sermon. Um, uh, God, what is his name? Um, it's in here somewhere. I know, it's been a while. It was great because when you guys played, somebody said, I expected a black raven to come. They said it was dark, but it was dance music. And uh-huh. It had this energy to it, but it had this dark overtone, but it wasn't really dark. There's yeah. What, what, makes, what gives it that kind of sound, do you think? Um, 
which yeah. you guys, the version you guys play of old time string band music. Yeah, it's interesting, you know. It's sort of dark in a fun way, I guess, is the way I do Yeah, because it, in a sense, it, it, a part of the, the song for me, mm-hmm. it, like the chorus has a lot of hope. Yeah. And, uh, and in the verses, there's, you know, there's a, a sense of. There's a sort of dis- descent into darkness, yeah, I guess you could call it, and and, um, and it was it was definitely when I wrote it, it was spiritually, in a sense, looking for a way to um, try to deal with things that around me in you know 2006 uh, mm-hmm. or five when I was. Writing it, I, I wasn't feeling very good about, you know, uh, our government and a lot of environmental issues. Mm-hmm. And so I, I I was always thinking, you know, there's a better world out there and it's in, you know, it's up to us to make that happen. It has a happy happen. ending at some point. Yes, it has a happy <laughs> ending at some, some point. point. Um, Reverend Utah Smith. Reverend Utah Smith, right. And, uh, yeah, Reverend Utah I I have uh, a collection of these sermons that uh, I would listen to and get inspired, um, and uh, and I just find you know I'm not uh, say I'm a believer, uh, but I was raised as a Catholic, mm-hmm. and there's something about the gospel uh, gospel singing that has so much abandonment and uh, this. This wonderful sense of belief and mm-hmm. faith yeah. that is so infectious, mm-hmm. and you really want to be a part of it. <laughs> yeah, you, <do. laughs> yeah, know. you know, it's funny because I I don't care for contemporary Christian music because yeah. it's poppy. It's when I hear old time gospel and like the really old time gospel you guys yeah. do, it's like it's, it's you know, it's just it's it's so it's I don't know what it is, but it, all of it you can't help but not be cut up in it when you're hearing it. Yeah, it it's just that they're reaching in, uh, from a place that uh, is just so there's so much mystery and um, <laughs> there's a kid behind us playing with thorny bushes and he just got reprimanded. But uh, yeah, I I'm still thick in in the gospel stuff mm-hmm. and I. I think I will continue to explore the inspiration from that. Yeah, it's just a, it's it, it, it's just a well that just keeps giving, and, and there's more and more as the technology is is you know bringing these seventy eights out and uh, making them audible. Yeah. Uh, so again, the good side them. of technology. Yes, the good side. Yes. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, yeah, on the, um, the new album. I was going to ask you, what's the yeah. story for the new? What's the new album like? And <sighs> the new album, it's really hard. It, I've, I've figured out the title. It's called "Shining Darkness," mm-hmm. and it's yet another sort of semi-quasi gospel tune that mm-hmm. uh, uh, I like it already. <laughs> yeah, I wrote and uh, <clears throat> and it's. Yeah, it's it's uh, 
it's I'm still trying to um, figure it all out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've got all the tracks, and um, yeah, I see the the thing that I'm really proud of it is the entire album is original. Oh, so okay. I was going to ask, is it a mix of old? covers and these yeah. are all originals it's all originals that's a big change then yeah it is a big change and it was something that was the manifesto that we're putting this album together is that you know we all need to come up with something uh-huh. and and you know fiddle tunes sometimes are the hardest not in the sense of writing them but mm-hmm. it's just there's so many amazing old time fiddle tunes <laughs> right there, and you want you yeah. go god you know let's do this one this is wonderful and uh um but uh yeah i had uh i had them write fiddle tunes and and banjo tunes there's oh, a lot great. of banjo tunes on the album and it's just you know it's definitely once again you know my intention is to continue to go forward with the music mm-hmm. and uh, it does have a lot of old time foundation but we're pushing it further in other areas it'll still sound like you guys it, yeah it's is definitely still a five member band yeah it's still five members and uh, this album has a couple of uh, extra uh, a couple of Guests mm-hmm. on there, um, put some fiddle tunes. Uh, a couple of people from Portland, and there's uh, a woman from uh, Vancouver. Her name is Leah Abramson, and she's from uh, an old-time band called Dyad. Yeah, they're just made very spooky, haunting old-time band uh, out of Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so she's going to be playing with us, and she's just got an amazing, wonderful voice uh, that works really well with the Crooked Jades. Oh, so, cool. so it's really exciting. Um, yeah, and um, so yeah, there's def- there's there's this sense of uh, it. It has to deal with the black sun and and pretty much going into the wilderness. And you know, uh, slash subconscious, mm-hmm. going in and sort of a death of a soul, and uh, the reemerging and uh, sort of reinventing yourself. There's a happy ending there somewhere. Yeah, there's yeah. going to be happy. Ending. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. Looking forward to. What is the estimated release for that? Do you think? Um, we're hoping. We're hoping for the end of February. Okay. Yeah, beginning of March. It's almost in time for the Don Quixote show. Yeah, I know. I, I was really hoping that we yeah. could get it out for then. We might have the, the promo version of it, mm-hmm. uh, which we might sell some of those. Right. Uh, so we're trying our best, and uh, hopefully the turnaround time will have some by time Don Quixote. Yeah. Well, then we'll see you next month, and we'll look forward to the new album, Shining Darkness. Shining Darkness, absolutely. See you then. Thanks, Michael. So there you have it, Jeff Kayser of the Crooked Jades, keeping old-time string band music alive. In the face of modern technology and impending traffic, and I, I got to apologize, I had no idea how loud that intersection was when we did this interview, that I heard the recording back, and I thought, oh, we can't redo it. So I, um, I pulled the levels down and applied the compressor. You should have heard this piece before I actually p- 
pulled the, the volume down on the cars as best I could. But I hope this gave you a good sense of what the Jades are about and what Jeff's been doing the last 12 years, keeping this, this really old music form alive with a rotating band of players. Speaking of which, I forgot to mention at the start of this interview, or the start of this podcast, the current lineup of the Crooked Jades features Jeff on vocals, guitar, and ukulele, Leah Abrisom on vocals, ukulele, harmonium, and guitar, Sophie Vitellis on fiddle and vocals, Charlie Rose on bass, and by the way, if you're a fan of old-time string music, you might recognize the name Charlie Rose because he used to play with the Asylum Street Spankers, an Austin collective of string band players. Um, the Jades also feature Rose Sinclair on banjo and banjo uke, minstrel banjo and slide guitar. And the night of this interview, I saw them play at Don Quixote's, and they're just an amazing band. So if you get a chance, um, check out my website, find the links, go look up the Crooked Jades, and um, have a look and at least pick up a couple of CDs, because like, you can't sit still listening to this stuff. It really is you know, old-time original dance music, and it's the kind of stuff people used to do for fun before the days of TV and the iPod, and it's just, there's just, it's just really, really good stuff. So once again, thanks for listening to Songs and Stories, episode number 34. I'm Michael Gaither, and if you have any comments about this podcast, you can send me an email, michael at michaelgaither.com. And one more time, if you want to win a Grateful Dread Radio t-shirt, um, send me an email, send up my contact list, and I'll enter you in the drawing. And if you do send me an email, just use the word crooked in the subject line, and I'll, I'll enter you in the drawing. Once again, thanks for listening. I appreciate your time.